Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. There's been a sense of urgency every week, you know, and that's, um, I think, uh, is this some sort of like make it or break it? No, I don't. Back? No, this is this week, and we just had an extra week to prepare for it. But don't think like that. I think of the make it or break it for me is we need to play our best, and then and, and we need to see improvement. That's what I control, and I'm saying it to you. But I should be looking in the mirror. So this is stuff that that I'm urgent to get fixed, and the players deserve it, and the fans deserve it. So I'm looking forward to making it happen. Urgent, but it's not make it or break it, PK. Two and three, BYU going to play two and three South Florida with Boise State and Utah State looming. There's baseball games today and tomorrow that are make or break. Game fives. Yeah. And I don't think this is make or break. I mean, you just cannot approach it in that manner because if it is, then that means if they break, then he'll be fired on Sunday or Monday. And I don't see that happening. So there'd still be a chance, even though we get the logic of if you lose this to go to two and four, then it's just two and six, possibly, probably. Well, two and ten, let's call it like it is. <laughs> it's not two and ten. <laughs> but that's why I think someone asked that question. But why that's do we the do this with BYU, ahead. though? We don't do it with any other team, but we consistently do it. Every year when the schedule goes, oh, my gosh, they're going to start 0-4, and, and then if the, then they'll play McNeese State. But then that next game, they could be 1-5. We've done this every freaking year with these guys, and I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. I will not tolerate it anymore. Well, you know that there are fans in the media, and you know that fans sometimes have to look at the most negative thing possible to cushion themselves for the blow and, and disappointment. And I'm done with that. I, after watching Ellen and George Bush, I am done with that. Oh. It's all people blossoming together. Nice. I say this. If Ellen and George Bush can like each other, why can't Ute and Cougar fans like me? Because you're for the other one. Yeah, but so is George and Ellen. They're the new power couple. <laughs> Let's just take it as it is. It's a football game. And a football game in which you're starting a kid who's never played quarterback at this level for any significance, and now it's a make or break? Jeez. Good thing Lavelle didn't have this in his second or third year. USC quarterback Kadon Slovis has been medically cleared to play, and he will start. USC's at ninth-ranked Notre Dame this weekend. Clay Hilton. Clay Hilton talking about that with the media yesterday. He'd been in concussion protocol after getting hurt on the first series of the Utah-USC game. That must have been a heck of a concussion. I don't know anything about that stuff. Well, they had a bye last week. I mean, I don't know if he would have been cleared last week or not. I mean, a lot of times with the concussion, we see him miss the next game, and then they're back the game after. It's not the same for everybody, but that seems pretty common. But they had a bye week there, so. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Coming to join you at some point? No, I'm, I'm not going to speculate about it. I'm obviously very disappointed for my brother's long night. You know, last couple nights he's worked hard. Got a lot of respect for uh, for my brother, obviously, and disappointed for 
uh, him getting fired. Um, but my dad's been fired. I've been fired. Jay's been fired. And welcome to the uh, welcome to the club, bro. John Gruden asked the Raiders coach asked about would he hire his brother Jay now that Washington let him go with Jay be moving from Washington to Oakland. Welcome to the club, bro. It's a heck of a club, man. If you get one family member in, then you can get in too. And you can make millions along the way, and you're going to be fired. Welcome to coaching. That's basically what the club is. So NFL coaches get that. two things. They get Bill a lot Belichick of money. was fired. And then they get fired. It's true. Cleveland. Pete Carroll was fired. New England. Yes. And what have they done? Won a lot. Now, the greatest coach of all time, he wasn't fired. Bill Parcells. Oh, okay. I was going to go, didn't Frank Cush get fired? <laughs> Bill Parcells. Okay. His father was Irish. His mother was Italian. Bill Parcells. He's born in Jersey. Will Jason Garrett get fired in Dallas? Cowboys started 3-0, although they didn't beat three, they beat three pretty lousy teams. Now they've lost a couple. Cowboy owner Jerry Jones dismissing the chances that he'll fire head coach Jason Garrett. Don't bet any money on that happening, Jones said on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. You'll lose it. Somehow Jason is Jerry's guy. How long can I keep that money down, though? That's a good question. Talking today, tomorrow, yeah. this week, next the rest week, of this season, this season right, yeah. next year. Tom Landry got fired. True story. By Jerry Jones. So I'm going to put money down on that. At a golf course. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. I, I didn't like how we played transition defense early. We rebounded the ball collectively, um, which was good. And, uh, yeah, I thought, you know, to be honest with you, the guys that finished the game, I thought really played well, and they played the right way. And so, you know, playing without Rudy and Donovan and Mike, uh, I thought it's good to see some other guys that have been putting time in and practice and be able to play. Quinn Snyder, those are his takeaways from the win over the Adelaide 36ers. He didn't like the transition defense. I feel bad for him. I pity Quinn because he's got to come up with crap. He's got to say something. Yeah. We played the perfect game. Everybody relax. Guys, we played the 42ers. I mean, who cares? This is preseason. No one's going to remember this in two weeks, let alone six weeks and six months. But I know I got to stand here. I know you guys got to ask me questions. So all the guys who won't make the team, you know, it was good to see them play. But let's call it like it is. They got a snowball's chance in hell making this club because we're pretty well set. (laughs) We didn't play Gobert. We didn't play Mitchell. We didn't play Conley. So, well, we should play some guys who are behind so our them. transition defense. I, mean, I just didn't like the way we lined up for free throws. I mean, we were a little off. It took, you know, they were looking around. You know, we had gone over it. We really got to work on that. Jazz are in Milwaukee tonight to play the Bucks. Game two of the preseason. Gear up for that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. The NBA had their NBA Cares event in Shanghai involving Lakers canceled just hours before it was to begin. The NBA would only say the decision to call off the event was not its decision. Lakers and Nets are supposed to play this week in China. Nobody's sure if that's going to happen or not. 
Get on a plane, fly home. You guys are mad at us. Whatever, we're out of here. See ya. What we need is uh, we need another one. You know the the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. So we got tweet no evil. No, we we got Kerr with his hands over his mouth. Uh huh. Popovich with his hands over his eyes. Now we need another guy, LeBron. Run. None of you should go to the White House, but you sure, man. I'll run to China. Yeah. <laughs> A beacon of freedom. <laughs> uh, Steve Tate coming strong yesterday. Our own Steve Tate. You see that? I did not. You should see that. Type in Steve Tate. Oh, I got to hear right for you. Our own Steve Tate. Steve Kerr and Pop are guys who will speak up when their viewpoint is popular and generally accepted. Dot, 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 dot. But hide when their viewpoint is not popular or accepted. I would alter the end there and say when it's going to cost the NBA money, but I get his point. All right, well, we'll see if the Lakers and Nets get that game in or not, or if that's going to get canceled too. I was talking about Bill Parcells. I just called him up. His mother's name? Ida. Ah, You didn't let me guess. Could have come up with several. Ida. Because PK's mom's name. (laughs) Ida. And how about this? His father. Ida's Ida's the Italian side. Is that a big Italian name, apparently? Yeah, uh, Nalciero was uh, his uh, mother's maiden name. Mine was Simolo, Italian all the way. Mm-hmm. And in keeping with it in the DJ and PK show, his father played quarterback at Georgetown University. Oh, really? Well, there you go. <laughs> the Hoyas. Play a little lower level of football, but nonetheless... They're at, the, they're at the big sky level. The playoff subdivision. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. It's Rich Hill. Fans lose this one. Deep left center. Right back to the Rays. Well, the home run barrage continues for the Rays as they had four yesterday from four different players. And Dodgers fans, this one to deep left center. The difference in the atmosphere here from the first inning of the games today until now. The Rays get three in the first. They beat Verlander. They win the game 4-1. to one. The series is 2-2. Two, two. So they'll have a game five in Houston tomorrow. Awesome. Nationally, game fives today. We can focus on them. I will. Awesome, man. This is really sweet. The drama. Watch these guys sweat it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And baseball drama builds because it's a slower-moving game, so you've got a lot of downtime, right? I mean, if they... Downtime to get inside your own head? And just the fans, they can build. If you score a run, you you score a run in the regular season, especially now with everybody and their dog hitting home runs, nobody bats an eyelash. But if you go up 2-0, particularly if Tampa goes up 2-0, you can almost, like, feel the literal tension. You'll be able to feel it in the stadium tomorrow. And this... uh, I think that uh, I don't really it'll be tension but it'll be different with Tampa because I think they're the wild underdog I don't think of Cardinals Braves Nationals Dodgers I don't think either team is big an crazy underdog, underdog. Tampa is I mean you could say well the Dodgers won the most games they ever won right but they're, they're, the Nationals are going to throw Strasburg He's a premier pitcher. like 18 and 6 this year. Right. So the, them have an opportunity to win. The chances are very, very good. Now it, it flushes out because 
the Dodgers will throw their ace, Bueller, uh, and we'll see. See if but, they bring Kershaw in from the pen. But with, well, see, see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. with Tampa going, you know, they're, they have the crappiest fan base. And their payroll is like mid fifties, like fifty four, fifty six, which is well, you way take, near the bottom. Well, no, it is. The is the, it is the last? Yeah. They're the lowest it's in MLB at the this bottom. year. Yep. You can't get anybody lower. You take Granky and Kershaw together; those guys make more than the, than the Rays team does together. And they're playing a team of championship experience, who had an even actually the best year in the majors. They won so, one more game. I'm a playoff junkie in any sport. Really? It doesn't really. It literally doesn't matter. Welcome to America. I flicked over and watched a little bit of the WNBA last night. It's the finals. And I, I, I mean, I didn't focus on it forever, for sure. But it, it, I like men, women, it doesn't matter. When they're balling out, when everything matters, it's to me, as a viewer and a consumer, I find it a lot of fun. And one other thing about Parcells. <laughs> Who's now been in? He's now been in <laughs> one more thing. He's been in the NFL segment, the NBA segment. Is, we might as well dump him this, into the Major League Baseball this is segment. Classic too. Jersey. You know, okay. he's at, his birth, his parents gave him the name Dwayne, but he didn't like it. He didn't like it. So Dwayne like, Parcel. I want to be called Bill. And sure enough. So if you didn't like Dave, what would you be called? I never really thought about that. I'm afraid to open it up to the uh, listeners. That could get ugly. You're close to the border. Let's do it. Maybe Alejandro? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Alejandro going up, going up 10 miles from the border in San Diego? Yeah. yeah why not? I had a, a friend in college change his last name because he didn't like the family name. He's tired of getting made fun of. He changed his name to Andrews. And the family's last name was Feast, and he was just tired of Feces jokes at the bus stop. Well, then don't go to the bus stop. Yeah. Or if you like my my jersey, you go to the bus stop and say, "You call me that one more time, ever, and you see what happens." Ever since you told me the various levels of Palisades, now I want to go back and track him down. And I think he's in the Bay Area now. I haven't talked to him in a while. He's in the Bay Area, but he grew up in PV. So I'm wondering what level of PV he grew up at now. Yeah, I don't well, think he was all the way up in the gated estates on the mountaintop, but I don't really know. Either way, you're doing well. Yeah, true story. So Vegas, remember when Vegas, you just couldn't, nothing could happen in Vegas, and now the NHL is there, the NFL is uh, building a stadium, they're on the way there, and now Oakland's mayor confirming in a TV interview that the baseball commissioner warned city officials that the Oakland Athletics could be moving to Vegas if the city doesn't drop its lawsuit against Alameda County. The city and county both own the stadium, and the county is looking at selling its share to the club, but the city wants the county to sell to them. You lost me, but I know. <laughs> Oakland Alameda County Coliseum, because both the city and the county own it. So the city's suing the county, because the county's trying to sell their portion of the club. If the club doesn't get to buy the property. See ya, Vegas, baby. That's the commissioner's message. Which leads to the question that is up on Facebook. And we will get to it next. Right after, right after we talk to Riley Nelson. <laughs> it's, it's a day of Riley's. Riley Nelson is 7.30, Riley Jensen at 8.05. But later in the show, can baseball fly in our beautiful community? Would it work? We'll get to that coming up. We'll talk Cougar football with Riley Nelson next. DJ and PK, that's what's trending. 
And it's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Did you know that Bill Parcells was a part-time assistant basketball coach under Bob Knight? I knew there was a link there, but I didn't know what it was. Was that at Army? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 66-67. Yeah. Bob Knight's gig before he headed off to Indiana. And wasn't, uh, didn't they also have Krzyzewski before he went to Duke? I think he was at Army. Don't really think of Army basketball very often. It's a couple of names. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Jazz played there. Second preseason game. They're in Milwaukee tonight to play the Bucks. The game's at 6 o'clock on AT&T Sportsnet. Pre-game show starts at 5 here on The Zone. Major League Baseball, National League Division Series, Game 5, Cardinals and Braves. First pitch, 3 o'clock on TBS. Nationals and Dodgers get underway. Game 5 in their series, 6.30 on TBS. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Ken Garf Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. The savings are on at Ken Garf West Valley Jeep. Stop by during Jeep Adventure Days and take advantage of our special offers on select new models. Whatever you're looking for, we'll have it at West Valley Jeep. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Utah now coming off that bye week. We had a chance to look at Oregon State. And uh, look, you know, Utah's going to be favored to win. And Utah probably will and should win by a sizable amount. But Oregon State's starting to turn that thing around a yeah, little they are. bit. This isn't a game where you're just like, all right, Utah, just show up. Not this year. I don't think Oregon State's fantastic. I think they're very beatable. But if Utah went in with the wrong attitude, they could find themselves in a game in the third quarter. That's the point I'm making right there, is that if you don't go in and you don't play play well and you're slow getting out of the gates, then Oregon State can make things nervous in the second half against you. You know, if there's one thing this season has taught us, you can't take anything for granted. Just ask Washington, who just got smoked by Stanford. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Life of Riley today. Riley Jensen's going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Riley Nelson, BYU football analyst, joins us shortly. So, PK, the message is don't freak yourself out. Don't worry about the questions we just heard about this game. Must-win game. Well, I don't understand why this pressure is on this team at all times. We do this every year, and by we, I'm including me. Saying, wow, man, look at that. But they're going to start one and zero. It's either zero and whatever or it's one and whatever. I know, but why are you including you? Because you were saying this before the season that they they aren't going to be zero and four. They're going to be one and three or two and two because that's what they always Because want. I can't keep singling myself out for the greatness. I got to include myself with no. the guys. In this one, you're totally clean. Because if I keep raising myself, which I already do, but if I keep pointing it out, then guys are resentful of me. And that's why they end up hating me. So I've got to pretend I'm one of them. Well, you are pretending because we argue about everything, and we didn't argue about this. We were both like, "Yeah, they're not going to be on. They're not going to be on for it." That's not even his best work. You got it. That one was good though. Just the way. Whatever. He's done way better than that. Yuck. I can't. I can't constantly be separating myself from you, folks. Yuck! You can't be Blake. I mean, I got to be, be tougher than that. I got to be one of yous. <laughs> 
Now, I look at it, too, and I do look at it and say, oh, my gosh. Now, I try to bring it back to reality, and everybody knows if the crowd is zagging, I'm zigging and so forth. We understand that. Uh, But I find myself doing it to a degree anyway, and now here we are again. They lost to Toledo. Oh, my gosh. They're going to lose the next three. They lost to Toledo. I mean, but, but... Maybe that's a natural fan base reaction because you had the Utes scratching and clawing by yep. the skin of their knuckles and their chinny chin chin or something that was ridiculous. I tried to get you off of that, but you jumped. I couldn't help you. Fortunately, again, I was there to catch you ha! and bring you back up to the top ha! like I always do. So let's just, I we got to stop putting, heaping all this pressure on BYU. I think it's largely because they're independent, and if they lose a ball game, oh, what are they playing for? This is ridiculous. We need Riley Nelson to give us some sanity. DJ and PK, and we are joined now by Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, and as Riley knows, he's coming to us on the Sprint special guest line, leasing the handset, and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Morning, and uh, PK's right. Happiness is a function of expectation. So for all the BYU fans out there that like to be a little bit happier, probably easier to adjust your expectation rather than, um, you know, waiting for some dramatic shift in in, in wins or the quality of the program. Because any improvement that's going to come at this point is going to either take some drastic change and even with maybe some drastic changes – it's going to, you know, whether it's scheme or leadership or coaching, um, it's going to take a while, even even after the change, to, to kind of build up to where people imagine the, the program can be. So do you have low expectations for BYU going to South Florida? They're 2-3. and three. you got an inexperienced quarterback. He's getting his first start. But on the other side of the table, you have another team that's 2-3, and three, and they've got an inexperienced quarterback. Already he's gotten a couple starts, but – Seems like a wash on those two fronts, doesn't it? Yeah, and I'd say I have appropriate expectations <laughs> in that I think it's going to be a competitive game. I, I think this team is has shown, obviously with the exception of, of Washington, you know, and Utah, uh, and and those games had they not, well, Washington pretty much handed it to them, but Utah had they not given it away. But they, they were even competitive in the – of the first parts of those games, at least going into halftime, and uh, so they they can be competitive with anyone. Given and then as long as in the second half they don't come out and give the ball away and play sloppy, uh, I expect a competitive game. So this is this is one I expect to be similar to Toledo. If BYU comes out and makes plays, I, one of the big things I'm looking for is they need to capitalize on opportunities once they get into field goal range, and then especially in the red zone where they were they were two for eight. Uh, once they kind of cross the 35, which Jake Oldroyd's proven that, you know, 42, or, or sorry, he's proven he can, you know, hit from the the deep 40s. Anyway, once they've gotten into, they were two and eight against Toledo. Uh, once they kind of got in the scoring range, they need to capitalize more on those opportunities. Given that they can do that, and if they can, you know, be a little bit stiffer against the run, then I, I think they'll have a little bit better forces than Toledo. But I don't, uh, you know, I'd be. My expectations are I'd be surprised if, if a victory is a double-digit victory. I'm wondering about how much the players are aware or concerned about things that really go beyond the actual football on the field. And what I mean by this is that with BYU, and you just heard that what I said coming in, is that 
it, it just seems like it's doom and gloom with these guys. They're going to start owing whatever. They're going to start one and four, whatever. And so there's all this pressure. Now this pressure heaped on Kalani and how much of that gets to the players. And, and in your situation, when you were playing, you know, you had this uh, guy that you're competing with heaps and he was anointed the press conference, the number one quarterback, all this stuff. And so it seemed like there was such pressure on the offense to deliver and they finally made that change and like the crowd is anxious and you can feel the anxiety practically in the stadium to make a change and they finally do it and you come in and all that stuff does all that it, all that add up and may become too big of a burden for the players to actually have to carry as opposed to just worrying about playing football that's a great question i can uh you know, as far as this team, I'm not I'm not in the locker room, and I I get only you know probably superficial interactions with with players as as to how they felt. But I can tell you at least on those teams that I played on. I mean, obviously, we nobody was walking around happy or satisfied because we weren't you know as an offensive unit we weren't playing to our atten- to our potential. You know, and the, you know, made the change, and I came in, and some things were a little bit different. We had a good offensive line. I was able to run around a little bit, cover up some of the other inefficiencies for the offense by making some plays with, with you know, my legs. Which, by the way, I do think is a positive heading into this game with Jaron Hall. Zach's extremely athletic, um, and was able to extend and make some big passing plays by running around and staying behind the line of scrimmage. I think. Jaron Hall, you know, taking off on third and six, where where Zach was more was maybe more inclined to thread the needle on a couple of those big third downs. Jaron can take off and and go and get those with his feet, and I think that'll help make life a little bit off easier on the offense and be able to sustain a little bit more drives by running around. But going back to what you talked about, the pressure and the expectations, nobody was happy, but yet nobody nobody felt the pressure. When as you were uh, setting up the question, I was thinking about the 2012 year. So that was the year we lost, you know, four games by a combined like six or seven points. Uh, Notre Dame, Boise, Utah, all those. Anyway, at the end of the season, the off the entire offensive staff gets canned, and we knew that as an offense, we weren't producing to our potential. But we also knew, you know, I was I was playing through an injury. We lost. Um, we we did have a freshman Jamal Williams, but we had to rely on him too early because backs like Mike Elisa broke their arm and Yona Pritchard broke his leg and our offensive line pretty much everybody across our offensive line was uh playing hurt and it was a, a game of musical chairs up front as we never had you know the same starting lineup twice that entire season so as an offense yeah we knew we weren't performing to potential but didn't think that the staff was doing such a poor job that they would be canned because we felt like it was more due to injury than it was inability to execute and you know, the view from the top, the head coaches, the athletic directors, they're the ones that have to be honest and objective about that 30-foot view. And probably that's why they feel the pressure more than the actual players. But as an actual player, you get the game plan, you know, come in on Monday, get the game plan, you refine it all the way through Thursday, you get on a plane and you go play on Saturday and you kind of rinse and repeat throughout the season. And so it doesn't give much opportunity for the pressure to build up too big, at least in my experience. So what do you think, as a quarterback who wasn't playing but thought he might play and then suddenly got thrust into it, what, what's a quarterback feeling right now before his first start? What's Hall thinking? 
Well, there's uh, excitement because, uh, you know, every backup quarterback, at least any backup quarterback that's worth his salt, is believes he can play and believes that he can help the team and has uh, unique skill sets that can help the team be productive and produce wins. So you're excited for the opportunity to to prove that and and to show to show what you can do um and mostly to your teammates and coaches and then uh you know there's a there's a very tiny bit of indication that does come you know pk mentioned that game i got thrown in against utah state and so you know the fans were really excited and they were cheering and yelling and and that's an indication too because you're kind of like yeah I, i knew i could play all along and finally all these people are realizing it too. At least that was that was my attitude, and 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 it's one that I think you know, any quality backup at any position should have is that you know that deep hunger to get the opportunity to prove themselves, and so that that's the main thing. This, the second thing is that you hope is that he's just treating this. He's relying on his previous experience. Maybe he doesn't have a D1 start, but he was a successful quarterback in high school, won a lot of games, made a lot of plays, and realized that. Hey, I'm that same player. I'm that same guy. I can do those same things. The game might move a little bit faster. The guys might be a little bit bigger, but at the end of the day, it's still the same game I've been playing since I was eight years old. And so, you know, try and calm any fears or apprehension by by you know drawing from that bank of confidence and go out there and and uh, produce. How big is confidence early for Hall? Uh. I would say not as important as, as confidence late. You know, this BYU team gave up a lead in the fourth quarter, and it, to, to me it's, it'd be more important to him to be confident uh, with the ball and the opportunity to win or put the game away in the fourth quarter than it is that. Uh, I don't, from, from what I know of him and, and the interactions I've had with him, I don't see him as a guy who's, who's going to fold or, or get in a downward spiral. So for, for an overall offense of a unit, so I guess the best way to answer that question is I don't think it's as important for him to make some big plays earlier, but I think it's better for the offense as a unit because while every while he's got the offensive support and it's next man up and everybody you know has been practicing with this guy for a week, there's always still that you know two, three, five percent of the subconscious mind that the rest of the offense is wearing. Can this guy really do it for us? And so if the offense as a unit can come out and make some plays early, then that'll work really well towards the momentum and psyche of it. I don't so much worry about Jaron getting off to a fast start because I know he's a fighter and he's going to play all 60 minutes. But for the psychology of the offense overall, I think it's, it's pretty vital. So what is South Florida going to do to trip him up? What When you're watching the game and you're up high so you can see all 22 pretty easily, what do you think the big challenge is going to be for him and, and one he may not even see coming just due to lack of experience? Yeah, great question. So um, all of his film that he's put out in games and it hasn't it hasn't been a ton obviously you had that two minute drive so you get a you get a feel for you know his ability as a passer but every rep leading up to that last two minute drive against Toledo was showing off his legs right he essentially was used as a as a fly sweep decoy or they handed him off on the fly sweep and and he was he was moderately successful I know his stats on the season don't look good part of that has to do with um, the play against Utah when, you know, the snap was higher and off his shoulder and he lost, like, he started off the season with, like, a negative 18-yard rush and uh, he's barely back to neutral, I think. But um, So you, you don't rely on the stats, but as you look at the plays he's played, he, you don't, most backup quarterbacks aren't your fly sweep option guys. So 
Uh, you know that he's got speed, so I imagine so things that they're going to try and do. Anytime you get a quarterback uh, as a defense, you probably live in the extremes. Like BYU had, you get a quarterback who's in his first couple starts. BYU, when they played against USC, they gave Slovis a lot of issues by dropping eight and throwing a bunch of people in coverage. And then the opposite is you heat those dudes up. You play man, and then you come in, you cause a lot of heck, you collapse the pocket, or at least try and cause a lot of chaos. But so I expect them to live in the extremes, and then when they're not living in the extremes, if I were them, and I imagine that they would do this, you're thinking, all right, this is a guy. He doesn't have a lot of reps going through progressions. He doesn't have a lot of, um, you know, reps being, being a rhythm, timing, progression-based thrower. So he's going to always – he's probably going to be one, two, and default to his legs. So they should spy him. If I were South Florida, I would definitely spy him and at least limit his ability to make any kind of positive leg or positive plays with his legs. That combined with the fact that BYU's had trouble – find you know really creating wide open receivers or or, or or big windows to throw into that's how i would give jaron hall some problems if i were the defensive coordinator for south florida part of the deal with byu we've alluded this to this a little bit is that their schedule always seems to be taken in its entirety rather than the next game when you're in a conference with utah it's all about oregon state then arizona state then cal but somehow with byu if they lose this game that's two in a row and then they're losing to boise and utah state and then they're two and six. Oh my gosh do the players do they get into that at all uh no you don't because there's a player first of all every coach i've ever been around emphasizes you know, the you got to go one and zero, and one and zero, and one and zero. And secondly, you get bombarded with so much film study and so much, you know, and the scouting reports and the and the changes in the practice plan and all those things from week to week that you don't have time to think much beyond uh, the next game. And and then secondly, they they don't at least none of the players or teams that I was on get in that downward spiral where you're like, man, if we lose this one, it's going to be tough to win the next two because you, you know, you're going to prepare and you're going to go out and compete your best. And any, you know, all the players that I played with or were around truly believe that no matter who the opponent is, now you're not, you're not naive. You don't think that, you know, oh, we've, you're not walking into a game against the top, you know, where, where if you're two and four or you're three and three and you're walking into a game on the road against the top 25 team or something, you're not walking in there and being like, oh, we got this one in the bag. But you're like, all right, if we can do this and this and this, which may, you know, the degree of difficulty may be high, but if we can do those things, we've got a chance to win this football game. So it doesn't give much opportunity for that, that downward spiral and projecting out your record. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, joining us here. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about uh, quarterbacks and the offense, but what about the flip side of this? USF is a team that's had some issues running the ball consistently. BYU is a team that has had issues stopping the run consistently. What do you expect in there, and how much do you think that will determine the game more than these inexperienced quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, they the defense find themselves in a little bit of a tough spot, at least from my perspective. I'd like to see him, and of course, just one man's opinion, right? I'd like to see him play a little bit more traditional 4-3 sets because uh, they've been better at stopping the run. Well, quite honestly, they have a problem stopping the run. And from my observation, I don't have the advanced analytics, but from my observation, that's come mostly when they play three, de- three defensive linemen. 
So I'd like to see him play four down, but there's a couple issues with that. They, they've had trouble when teams get long drives put against them with that that defensive front maintaining uh, you know their energy level. And so they've been platooning. Ever since that Utah game, they've been platooning the entire defensive front. And so where they've been rotating six guys out. Now if you're going to platoon, you got to look for, for eight guys or you risk guys you know out there that uh, aren't able to sustain the, the effort necessary over the long course of a drive. So you have some problems there. And then as you look at the back end, their linebackers, they have a bunch of guys who are, like, for example, Kavita Fanu is a, a great player. He's made a lot of great plays, but he's a little bit undersized if you put him in a traditional 4-3 bike. That, that a four three Mike's got to be a, a guy that really he spends most of his days taking on linemen, you know. And Kavika is probably two thirty at his heaviest, and when you're taking on guys who are three three ten all game long, first of all the chances of you staying healthy are, are not great, and second of all the chances for you being effective are, are diminished as well. And then you look at you know traditional outside linebackers. Um, as far as, you know, a Sam, a guy that can really cover well in space and also be, uh, you know, a good run support guy. And they're kind of looking for that guy too. And they're, and they're all banged up. You look at Keenan, they're either banged up or they're, you know, a freshman or a guy getting his first look. Now, that, that excuse, as you look here at, you know, like Peyton Wilgar, Max Tui, Keenan Peely, Jackson Capusi, Kavika Fanula, you look at those guys, that's that main core from which I would draw those three. They were either young guys or they were banged up. Now, banged up excuse doesn't go away, but the young guy excuse does because most of all these guys have played in at least four, and most of them have played every game this season. And so, uh, you know, that experience factor, you, you can uh, I would put a little bit tr- more trust in that linebacking core um, switching to a 4-3, to, even though they haven't gotten a lot of looks at it this so far this season, you got to give it a shot because you got to do something. And then the last thing is we work our way back to the defense. Is one of the things I was not well. If I were defensive coordinator, I would have not done was keep two safeties high as much as they did. You got to invert that that second safety down for run support. You can still be there in the intermediate pass game, especially against a Toledo team that really couldn't push the ball down the field. In South Florida, while well, they've got some speed on the edge. They haven't proven to consistently be able to make plays down the field, and so you've got to bring that safety in to provide that added, you know, that added run support. So those would be, I think, it's absolutely vital that you know it's crazy that I'm going into this game hoping they hold South Florida under 200 yards, right? Just because their average is much higher than that, and they haven't proven really to be able to do otherwise. So I'm hoping if, if they can do that, I feel like they have an even better chance to win. If they can get more down like a stingy defense or, or a, a, an upper half defense and hold them to around 150 yards, I really like their chances. But I think in order to do that, you got to change up the look. you got to change up the scheme because the 3-4 has not been as effective as it needs to be. It's not one man's opinion. It's Riley Nelson's opinion. Let's make sure we're abundantly clear on that, Riley. That's, yeah, I, I'll own it. And, uh, <laughs> you always you know, do. It's, it's, yeah, my my opinions come with uh, they come with a great. I, I, the reason why I say that is it comes with a grain of salt and it comes with limited perspective, right? I'm not in the staff rooms, I'm not in the meeting rooms, I'm not in all those things. I just watch the games and 
kind of tell you what I can think. There may be some things going on behind doors that I don't know about. So I say that because I know if a player or a player's family is listening to this, they're probably saying, ah, he's an idiot because he doesn't know X, Y, and Z. So I just want to make sure people know that I don't profess to be all-knowing. Were you listening to us when you were playing thinking those two guys are idiots they don't know X, Y, and Z? <laughs> Man, I wish I had time. I was, I was an idiot when I was playing uh, in the fact that my, you know, my father's a my father's a surgeon. And I was pretty bad, and I wish someone would have put their arm around me and said, "Look, bud, you are gonna, you should not be pre-med. Go and get a degree in geography or a degree in communications, and you'll figure out how to make a living after football." But instead, I was, I, I was up at six, so I could have listened to you guys. But instead, <laughs> I was six going to meet with tutors and trying to get study just to keep my grades serviceable. So uh, I wish I could have listened to you guys, but maybe not because I know we, we experienced some rough times. And when the waters get rough, I know the quarterback's the first one to take some heat. I never understood why you were stretching your back out at San Jose in obvious pain on camera and then went back into the game. That's what you would have heard us talking about. And then it turned out it was broken. <laughs> you looked like you were trying to stretch. It's broken. You can't stretch that out. All right, Riley, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you. And, TK, thanks for being, you know, the – family therapist for all the BYU Cougar fans out there. And uh, we'll hope for better fortunes in Florida in a couple of days. So we're hoping for too. Thank you, Riley. Riley Nelson, our BYU football radio analyst, joining us every week right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're a therapist, PK. Yeah. Making people think about the deeper issues and releasing all that stress and tension. And making them feel better about themselves. I mean, that's part of my job description. you're, You're an appeaser. I'm a happy guy. Come be a part of a happy show. DJ and PK, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.